everyone to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Tonight is a treat for me. My dear friend, Alison Brennan, who is a New York Times bestselling author and a multiple award-winning author and a cat lover, is here with me tonight to discuss her new book called The Third to Die. This is a beginning of a new series for Alison called The Mobile Response Team world and um, she's got two new characters that she's introducing to us which I love because they're always so fascinating the yin and yang of her characters Allison welcome back to Authors on the Air my friend I'm always glad to be here with you I love talking to you I really do (laughs) you know this new series is so delicious Usually when I ask you what genre you write in, you say romantic suspense or romantic thrillers because there always is a little coupling of your female and male uh, lead characters. What do you consider the third to die? Um, I think this series is a straight-up crime thriller. Yeah. I think the, the, the way I designed the series – um, after writing the Maxine Revere series, which wasn't romantic right. suspense at all, it was pretty much a mystery series. I really right. wanted to write. I, I mean, I love crime thrillers, um, but I also like to have the emotional element to the story. Sure. I wouldn't necessarily say this is romantic suspense, though, because it's their developing relationship has nothing to do with the plot whatsoever. It's it's basically just a nice little juicy subplot that informs their character and helps. And also, I, I also really believe that characters are like people. We all have other people in our lives. And how, and when you're in a world like my characters are in, where they live, eat, and breathe their job, essentially, right. they usually find those connections in other people that have that same kind of lifestyle I think so it's true. I think yeah but there's no rule that says you can't have a romance in a thriller though you know that you, you can't know, have a, yeah right yeah but this is a new series so you're not kicking them off into a relationship just yet uh, they're kind of dancing around each other aren't they yeah and I and I love that I mean okay so obviously I watched all 12 seasons of Bones and one of the, the <laughs> best things about that that television show was the fact that you could have the crime but you had your two main characters and they were strong right. you knew that there was chemistry there and you knew right. that there was sexual tension but it wasn't all about that it was about their developing relationship that really almost had nothing to do with romance but just the trust the the building blocks of that so that when it did happen although i think they should have done it in a slightly different way but Right. When it did happen at the end of season seven, it it made God. sense because it was all there from the beginning. So right. that's kind of how I'm thinking about these characters is that, you know, I don't know how it's going to all work out because that would – what would be the fun of that? I don't plot anyway. Yeah. No, um, I know you don't. But I want to see where it goes. I like that, too. It should be um, a a slow, evolving thing. If it happens too fast, I'm always afraid it becomes, like, cliche. Does that make sense? You know, it's it's a trope that doesn't work for sure. 
And um, so I'm glad that that's how you're looking at this. You're going to still do a Lucy Kincaid, though, aren't you? Yes. In fact, I'm writing one now. I have one coming out in April and one that's coming out in November. So the one that's coming out in November, I'm almost done writing now. And so, yeah, no, I'll still have my Lucy books. And um, the new series comes out one a year. And I'm really excited about that. Are you doing Maxine again? Not right now. Um, They haven't uh, contracted another Max book. But I feel like with Abandoned that I gave her a really, if I write no more Max books. I gave them or I gave a good Max ending, a really good right. ending because she was able to find okay. out what happened to her mother. And for her, right. that was something that had driven her for so long. And right. now I did, I will say Max is in the next Lucy book. Um, so I brought Lucy into one of Max's books where they were investigating a cold case. And in this um, upcoming book, the one comes out in April, Max goes to San Antonio when, um, Someone, someone on trial basically recants his plea, and she goes to interview him. And her case ends up colliding with one of Lucy's cases. And that was a lot of fun to kind of Lucy's investigating the cold case and Max is investigating a more current case and how these two collide. And it's been, it was fun to bring them back together. I like reading that. I like reading where there's a little character crossover not a lot of interaction together. I mean, it's a one and done. And that seems to be a, that I like that, especially from the same writer. You know, um, when we're talking in the green room, I mentioned Michael Conley. He did a kind of a, he and Robert Crace have have each done a little nod to each other's characters, Bosch and then, you know, Elvis in each other's books. And since I love them both, I read everything. And so I thought, kind of thought that was cool, you know. Oh, uh, yeah, there's the guy in the yellow Corvette, you know, that, that Elvis P.I. guy, and you know, <laughs> from Mike, and then in a reverse thing. It was really cute. But I like how characters sometimes cross over. You just never expect it. And it's a nice little nod to, I think, your writing chops that that happens. Um, so let me ask you something. We're not going to say specifically where, but you've changed geography. Has that affected how you write? You mean by moving? I don't mind moving. saying where I moved. <laughs> yeah, you mean because I moved from California to Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> Is that Has what it, you mean? Yes. Your, your, <clears throat> your, loca- your, your living arrangements have changed substantially. Has that affected your writing or has that ever affected your writing, where you live and your family and everything else? Um, no, you, I always adjust. I think the, the biggest thing was I did lose a month because of the actual move. Move, I lost a month of writing and I, that was a little bit more nerve wracking for me because I write every day, um, at least six days a week and, and I love it. And it's part of, it's part of who I am. And if I'm not writing, I kind of feel like I almost missing a kid, you know, it's like, Oh my gosh, where did that kid go? I don't know what happened when he was right here. And so the not writing kind of was almost depressing because I couldn't. I mean, I literally couldn't. I had to pack up a house. I had to move. I had to get the kids enrolled in school. I had to do a, a whole bunch of stuff in a very short period of time. So right. 
that's actually threw me off. But now that I'm settled, the only thing I really miss is in my old house, I had my own office with a door. Now we're in a slightly smaller place, and I, I've taken over the living room. The living room is my office, but there's no door. <laughs> and I, I kind of uh, miss being able to, like, close off the whole world and kind of forget there's anybody else around, which is what I was able to do before. But we're not going to be in this place forever. And so I'm, I've adjusted, and I like out my window – there's um, lots of bunnies and birds that Aww. I can watch. Um, I, I mean, oh, my gosh, I never realized that roadrunners were so big. There's this roadrunner that lives in my yard that is, I mean, I swear I'm expecting Wile E. Coyote to run down the street because <laughs> this roadrunner is so huge. And Hey, they're yeah, like the birds so, I see here, the Florida wildlife. You know, the flora and the fauna here is amazing. I mean, we've got all kinds of cranes and you know, storks and all kinds of weird crap walking around. And, and I don't have a house. I live in a condo, you know, so it's, it's really wild. As a matter of fact, today at, at my other job, I, I, there was a turtle walking through the parking lot and I, I think it was a turtle. I don't know if it was a turtle or a tortoise. I, I don't know the difference, but I think it was a turtle. And I thought, I pray he's not a snapping turtle. I kind of picked him up and moved him over into the, he was wet and muddy. And so I thought, okay, he's not a tortoise and he has to be a turtle. You know, and moved him over to where the little, the little wash was, you know, and everything. And of course, went immediately to wash my hands because, you know, coronavirus or something. I don't know. I'm just, I don't believe in that stuff. But, but, but it's well, weird yeah, where but, you, you know, where you see creatures turtle. around your yeah, you. It's weird when you see these creatures, or you're in your habitat. You know, you're in their habitat, actually. Um, so, you have five kids because you were bored, and your life shouldn't be boring. And all your <laughs> kids are really cool, and they're all really different. How um, do they know that you are well known? That you're a best a New York Times best-selling author? Do they understand the concept? Of how well known you are, I'm not that well known. I, I mean, <laughs> honey, you're I mean, a New York Times best-selling thriller author. You've won numerous awards. You've, you know, you've hit all the top lists for books. What are you crazy? Well, I mean, they know I'm. A, they know I'm an author. They know I, you know, that I'm. I'm pretty successful, and that. I, you know, I can make my living writing my books, which is a blessing because I know a lot of authors can't do that. I can right. make a living writing. And um, so, I, I mean, I don't know. I've, I have been a writer their, almost their entire lives, and I think they recognize that they, they to them it's normal. Um, yeah. You know, so they, I don't know that they really think much of anything, although – Every once in a while, they'll say, oh, yeah, I ran into somebody. They said they've read all your books, like, as a <laughs> surprise. That somebody's read all my books. But, yeah. And then, or yeah. there's a time that my son yeah. told all of his friends that, oh, yeah, my mom's personal friends with Stephen King. And I'm like, wait, I've never even met Stephen King. I'm like, <laughs> I think I would faint if I got introduced to him because I have, like, read so much of his stuff, and he was so inspirational to me as, a, as an author because – he is so amazing that I I don't even think I'd be able to talk. You're and so said, funny. I've never even met Stephen King, let alone being good, close, good personal friends with him. <laughs> 
Listen, are any of your your five kids are any of them? I know that Kelly is, but are are any other of your kids creatives like you? So Mary's your your athlete, but and Kelly's your your artist. What about the other kids? Well, um, Katie is actually in the police academy right now. My oldest. Oh my goodness! Uh, it, yeah, here in Phoenix. Is that because She's, of you um, being a police procedural author? No, she hasn't read my book, but she, <laughs> you know, Katie's always been the one that, you know how there's always, you know how there's people that run towards danger and there's people yes. that run away from danger. Yes. Katie's yes. always been the running towards it and her entire life. That's just what she's the first one to help. The first one to do things. She loved team sports. She's a CrossFit instructor. She's just very, always been the one that wants to do things. And so she got basically recruited um, because there's, you know, they obviously they want more strong female officers. Right. And she, right. she was recruited by a female detective that she knew that said, you know, you're exactly what we want. So it took about a year for her to go through the whole pre-hire process and everything, but she's finally in the academy, and I'm so proud of her. And then you know, Luke is creative in his own way. He is um, he's a computer science and math major at Texas Tech. Wow. And so he's wow. like, yeah, he's really smart wow and but he's creative in the sense he wants to design video games so but he's designing oh, it amazing. i guess it, yeah computer stuff that's kind of that's creative i mean i don't understand coding and what he does nor do but i that's what he wants to do and that's then my amazing youngest, though yeah he is pretty smart and even though mary is an athlete she's my only kid well kelly also is written a lot of stuff but mary actually writes stories all the time she won't let me read anything but that's exactly what i did when i was a kid when i was little i used to sit down and write stories now of course she has a computer i had to actually hand write hand all my write. stuff right <laughs> on your composition but, notebook of course you did <laughs> yeah, I, I used to love getting fresh notebooks it was so exciting and you know so she actually has written a lot of stuff she wants to be a nurse, but I wouldn't be surprised if she ended up being a writer someday. And then um, my youngest, he he doesn't know what he wants to do. He is extremely witty. He's very funny. He's the youngest of five, so he's the one cracking jokes. And um, he does have an artistic bent. I got him, Kelly and I conspired to get him a, like how to draw comics. And stuff. Oh, so cool. I'm hoping he'll, yeah, for Christmas, we like each got him part of a present. So hopefully he'll get into it because he does have ideas. He just, I think he isn't, I mean, he's a 15 year old boy that plays video games all the time. So he's I just have to get him. He's a 15 year old. Yeah. yeah. He really is. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about The Third to Die. Tell listeners about this book, please. This is the new one in the series for um, Mobile Response Team. Let's go ahead and give the elevator pitch. You know, I'll give you as much time as you want because we're friends after all. <laughs> and I'm really bad at elevator pitches. Um, well, so basically, you may not re- – speaking of, by the way, excuse me for interrupting you. You and I met yeah. in 2013 at Thriller Fest. You may not remember this, but 
that was my very first, I, I very rarely tell anyone this, but this is the truth. That was my first Thriller Fest. It was a year after I started this show. And I rode up and down the elevators at the hotel. And you know where Thriller Fest is always the Hyatt um, at yeah. Grand Central. And I rode up and down the elevators and said, I'm a radio talk show host. Would you please let me interview you for an author? And I did that for like three or four hours straight. You know, they have that big bank of elevators there on the mezzanine level. And the hotel gave me an office and everybody came in to be interviewed. And that's the elevator pitch that I used. Isn't that crazy? You and I bumped into each other. We were just, I think, in a book room or something. I think we were in the book room. But you know what? Yeah. That was seven years ago. I feel like I've known you a lot longer than seven I years. I know. I know. It's crazy. When you were down here for Southwest Readers Fest, which is coming up again, we bumped into, into each other in the bathroom. That was so funny. You went, Pam? And I went, oh, my God. You were there. Kate White was there. Kate White, who was the former editor of Cosmo. And um, I have sweating my butt off because it was so hot down here. No makeup on. My hair was all frizzy. <laughs> everything and we see each other in the bathroom you went Pam and I went oh my god Allison <laughs> I was so embarrassed <laughs> however oh don't be oh however be. I, I tell us let's talk about the book so okay. we've got this this really edgy kind of female police detective and a and an, a very ambitious FBI special agent so they are kind of thrown together because they're looking at a, a really well psychopathic serial killer seems like a redundant conversation because aren't they all psychopath, psychopathic tell us a little bit about the story so um i'll kind of just give you a background i've been wanting to write the mobile response team for a long time um for years um wow. and I ran the idea by just the concept of a mobile response team by an FBI friend of mine. Um, and he just goes, oh, no, that wouldn't work because of this, this, and this. And I was modeling it after the evidence response teams, which are real. They, every FBI right. office has an evidence right. response team. And he said, no, they wouldn't be one nationally. Well, he retired, and he and I were talking about – I call him up all the time for help – with research and right. stuff. And I was saying, yeah, I just, I have this idea about a serial killer that kills in threes and I really want to do this mobile response team. So I kind of restructured the idea for him. And I basically said, well, what if they just go to like rural areas, places where, you know, law enforcement isn't going to have the resources to investigate things like a serial killer or some sort of major graft and corruption case or whatever, you know, right. like remote areas. And he goes, you know, I can actually see them doing something like that. And then he went off about how they had this unit or this unit that did this or that. And I, I lost, he lost me there. But I was like going, yes, it's plausible. And so I jumped into it. And the, Matt was the first character that came to my head. And so Matt right. was basically I wanted a strong leader. And uh, Cara later in the book basically says, he's an alpha male that tries desperately to be a beta, you know, cause he wants to make, you know, he's trying to play everything by its modern day rules. Right. But right, right. he, to me, he's the sign of a great leader because he will always let the people on his team do their job. He right. finds the best people and he trusts them to get the job done. And so I think that if somebody couldn't get the job done, you might 
see his anger issues come up because he expects them to do the job. To you know, this is to what be you're the best. To do. Sure. And exactly. this is serious so stuff. He, and by the yeah. way, let me interrupt just one more time. Sure. Is there is it true what I read in the news that there is a serial killer gang in California? I actually haven't seen that. Now I'm going to have to look that up. Oh, I yeah. Yeah. About a happy face killer. And I read this whole article about how there were these happy faces that were popping up where people were going missing and that it might be a group of serial killers. But I thought that was New York. Well, um, there, there is it, trending on, I don't know, one of the online, because you don't have a television. So um, one of the online sites, and it talks about having a serial killer gang. And I thought, how does that work? I know that there are couples, you know, like a Bonnie and Clyde type couple or, or whatever, but um, wouldn't that, is that like bizarre that there are serial that's, killers? That's actually interesting. Gang? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, need to, I need to read about you're, it. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I have all my books planned now for the next two years. I don't know if I'm going to be able to write anything like that, but um, <laughs> no. But the research is there, so right? I'll, I'll send you the I'll send you the article. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Send me the article. Um, I will. Yeah. So the so then so Matt came in, and then I, I was starting to put together the team. Well, Kara was not even a part of the story. I knew Catherine was going to be the profiler, but I didn't know exactly how big her role was going to be. I knew Michael was going to be there, um, and writer Kim and a, and a couple others. And I so I started writing the book. And I said, okay, well, somebody needs to find the body. I said, what if it's like a cop who is, you know, running so that I could have this extra person that can investigate? And originally, I had no idea that Cara was going to take over the story, essentially. That wow. as soon as she was running on the page and I got into her head, I said, oh, she's an interesting character and yada, yada, yada. And so she finds the body and then she and Matt meet. And I just knew. I said, oh, my gosh, I love her. And she I love became – so much bigger than I thought she would be now. Cause I don't plot. So all I know, I know. is the premise and the setup. And so I knew, you know, Matt was putting his team together and that they were going to find this body. And I had an idea about the motivation of the killer. Um, but that was about it. And so it was a lot of fun. So basically the whole, the whole setup is that this serial killer kills in three every three years. And so when he drops the body, they know that they're on a time clock and they are really worried because part of the killer's pattern is that the third victim in each city that he hits is going to be a cop. And obviously they, they're cops. They don't want that to happen. So they really are having a, um, uh, that race against time feeling, which I really love because yes. it gives it, it, it's just perfect for crime fiction. So that's, you know, that's, you and you and Jeffrey Deaver write a lot in the same way, and I love you both. You know, and I know you both. And um, you, I, I consider you writing equals, and I, I hope that's a good thing for you. But um, because you can when I'm with Jeffrey Deaver anytime you want. <laughs> oh my gosh, honestly, you know, and and he like you is a very good friend, and I, but. I always feel like, 
oh my god what's next i have to i have to move on to the next chapter i have i just have to find out what's going on i it's like a race against time always so your 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 style is a little bit different but the feeling i get as a reader is the exact same and so um so let me ask you a couple things about putting together your book first of all do you have the concept or do you have the character first? Um, usually, well, it depends on what I'm writing. Obviously, if I'm writing a Lucy book, I know it's Lucy. Be a Lucy book. You, right. Um, right. For this one, for this book, I actually had the idea of a killer that kills in threes. That was the idea. But I also knew I wanted to create a mobile response team. So I kind of put the team together before I even started the book. I Just like a... I would say I wrote two pages. I wrote two pages of character sketches. You know, this is Matt. This is like kind of his background. Um, this oh, that's is, cool. You know, writer Kim. You know, just like have one paragraph on each character just so I could kind of see how they fit together. There were a lot of characters I created that I never even put in the book because I said, okay, that person doesn't quite fit. That person doesn't quite fit. And right. so it kind of evolved from there. And um, so I think, I really do think story and character go hand in hand. I don't think you I agree. You might have a great idea, but you can't just say, okay, I have this character and I have this idea. Let's just throw them together. I mean, I think that you have the idea and then you find the characters that can best tell that story. Right. You know, you just can't have an idea. You have to have kind of a general, almost a fully fleshed out character who is ready to evolve and change within your story. Is that right? Well, or that that's going to be at least open or interesting. I need to know that this right, is going right. to be an interesting character that readers are going to want to spend time with. And when you're starting a series um, like right. this series, they're going to want. I want them to want to spend time with them in book after book after book. Like you know, I love the J.D. Robb series. That's no secret. Right. I write about it all the time. Um, I every time I get a new J.D. Robb book, it's like I'm revisiting these old characters, and that's what right. I want people to feel. I want people when they right. pick it up like, oh, I I know these people, or I can't wait to find out what happens and and you what's know, changed how are they and get how out? yeah and how their responses are to what they've been in. You know what was fascinating to me on this book in particular is that it's three victims in three the the timing of everything. It's like in threes now. Three is um, actually my lucky number, believe it or not, and well, so good. I'm. I I have kind of like this emotional attachment to anything in threes, so um, I it really was fascinating to me. I loved it. I actually I just well, loved it, even, even though it scared the crap out of me. Okay, but because <laughs> serial killers scare me. I mean, you know, Florida is like famous for serial killers. You know, Ted Bundy and you know, I mean, I, I one of my California. best California. <laughs> I know. It's one of my best friends from high school was actually married to a guy that I knew who turned out to be a serial killer. You know, so how weird is that? Oh. How do you? I know, right? He was just, as a matter of fact, he was executed last year. Um, uh, and he was really creepy. Um, so how do you name your characters? You know, because names to me are the most personal things that we have. You you can't get any more personal than your name. 
And to me, a name kind of defines who you are. So how do you, how do you give names to your characters? You know, honestly, they just come to me. I just, really? I, it's, yes. And that, I, don't, I don't really think about it that much. Um, it's interesting. I will say that when I was writing Kara, I, w- I started writing her Kira, K-I-R-A. Yeah. And my uh-huh. I typing K-A-R-A. And I'm like going, but that's not what I named her. I named her Kira. And then I realized, okay, her name is Kara. And I just – There you go. And because it, it was one of those things that it just – I couldn't stop it. So maybe right. she kind of named herself. But, there you, you know, go. Matt Costa, his name was Matthias Costa. And I just – First of all, I like the name Matthias, but nobody. I like it too. I like Matthias. the. I like the whole. I like his entire name. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, it, it. And it just kind of it just came up, and Michael was Michael, and I wish I didn't have a Michael and a Matt, but he goes by Michael, so that's that's fine. And it's just it's a very. I wanted it, Michael Harris. He wasn't big in this book. He's bigger in the second book. Um, he's a former Navy SEAL, and one of the things that he said is that um, in this book is that the Navy saved his life. That he enlisted when he was in eighteen, he would have been dead if he did it. So we're going to learn was, more about him. We're going to learn more about yeah. him in the next book. Yeah, because you know, he was such an interesting character to me, and just they called him GQ because he always dressed impeccably. He is always well groomed. He's um, just a very interesting character, but he also grew up in a very violent household and a violent lifestyle in an inner city, and his wow. baby brother was killed. And so that really affected him. So it's touched upon in the first book, but I love what I love about this series is I can have an ensemble cast. I can have four or five or six core characters and then focus on a different core character every book. I mean, I it's like really Matt and Cara. Yeah, Matt and Cara. Well, so I like that too. Series. You give them their own sub sub story, kind of within the book, and you know that to me is what advances the series. If you're leaving your secondary or tertiary characters, or even ancillary characters, out of the series, I think that's the mistake a lot of writers make, because as a reader, we are invested in those characters that you've introduced us to. So I'm glad that you are giving everyone like a little spotlight somewhere along the line while continuing with the overall arc of the story. You know, I think that's really important. So tell everyone where they can find you on the web. Well, um, my website is allisonbrennan.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-B-R-E-N-N-A-N. That's, all of my social media links are off my website. I'm on facebook.com slash Allison Brennan. I'm twitter.com slash Allison underscore Brennan because another Allison Brennan took the full name. Um, Damn her. <laughs> I know. Instagram. And I think she was a kid too. She was like a teenager at the time. Um, Instagram, it's AB Writes. Because one of the things with Instagram, I never thought it I never thought I would use it for writing. I thought it would be just, you know, for fun. And I didn't right. realize what a valuable tool it is for communicating with readers. Right. So, so it's AB rights and I'm not going to change it just because that's what I, everybody is following me as. And 
you know, right. I don't want to screw everything up. And I guess that's pretty much it, those three. There's um, a bunch of I them on your, on your website. I have to say, go to Allison's website. It's really terrific. And everything you want to know about her is there. Now, we've talked about your book, yada, yada, yada. Let's talk about cats. Because you know, <laughs> you and I have been saying for years that whichever one of us or both win the lottery – we're buying like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of acres of land and we're creating this cat sanctuary. We're still doing that, aren't we? Yep. Okay. Yep, you gotta find the best. I just place wanna to be sure. It. I know. It, I, maybe two. Maybe two places. You never know. I follow so many kitten rescue sites on Instagram and watch these Fine. little kittens being raised and then go off to their homes and I'm like, Wait, oh, I know. I know. You know, you watch them. I adopt them. I've got five, you know, and I'm not supposed to have any. So uh, <laughs> I won't say anything. But but mine are four of them are 17 now and one of them is 12 or 11. And um, I can't imagine not sleeping with five little fur coats at night. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. You're going to you're going to come back and be a guest host again. You do this every year for I me will. and I love it. Yes, you will. Um, in between your writing gigs and your mom gigs and your cat gigs and your Dan gigs and your house gigs, <laughs> um, think about who you want to come back. Allison Brennan, I just love you. You know, you're right. Aww, I do feel like too. we've known. I feel like we've known each other forever. It's so funny. <laughs> I know, definitely longer than the seven years. I really thought it was like 2008 or something that we met. <laughs> I know, it's crazy, isn't it? But I didn't actually start the show until 2012. So, but it just wow. feels, I mean, I've been reading your books for a long time. So, I don't know, we just, it's just been a lot of fun. Ladies and gentlemen who are listening, my reader friends and my listener friends, this is best-selling author Allison Brennan. The new book is called Third Die. I promise you, you're going to love it. Allison, I love you, my friend. Happy Valentine's Day, and let's talk again soon, okay? Oh, thank you so much for having me. Always. You're always welcome here anytime you want. Thanks, Allison. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. And that's my show for now. I'm so glad you were here. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Mom and Dad. I'll see you later. Mm-hmm.